preaching today out of Zechariah chapter 4, if you would like to turn there, or if you have your phone and want to go to that, that particular part in your Bible there. Um, several years ago, in 1998, um, this, this word of this scripture was very important to my husband and I, and at that time, it was a Saturday again. It was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, actually, it was early, late morning, and he... Um, he woke up and, and long story short, he needed stents in his heart. And uh, so we had to get the ambulance. Of course, he walked out. He wouldn't get on the stretcher. And, and, but he did go to the hospital. They took care of those stents. But when he was laying in the hospital that Saturday night, a lady from our church who helped us when we first started the church came and gave him a word. And it's out of this particular context of Scripture. Now, when I prepared this message, I certainly did not know we were going to be in the hospital again this time. But God does know. Everybody say, God does know. And so this was a very encouraging word to me once I saw what we were facing again yesterday. But it says in the word of God, and the message today is talk grace. Everybody say, talk grace. And uh, it says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was the man that was uh, in the process of building the temple. Um, There was a stoppage due to the government and... um, the king issued edict. They couldn't continue building. But this word by Zechariah, the prophet, to Zerubbabel in the first four or five chapters is that he is going to finish this work of building the temple. So through uh, different visions, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Would you say that with me? Not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And he goes on and says, who are you? This is the angel speaking. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. Now, if you remember in Mark eleven twenty four, we've talked about that scripture many times. It says, as a believer, first it says, in, I guess it's 23, but in 22 it says, have faith in God. And then it says, and speak to the mountain, and it will be cast into the sea, if you believe. If you believe. Every say, if you believe. And it's, so this is something similar. How many of you know that if you spoke to a mountain in the natural, you, your voice would not carry the power to move it into the sea? What it's talking about is if you run into uh, things that really exalt themselves against the truth of the word of God, that say to you, this isn't possible, that this cannot be done. Circumstances sometimes do that. How many of you have ever faced those? Then, then what that says in Mark eleven twenty three is you can speak to that situation and it will have to move out of your way. That's exactly what the spirit of God was saying. Zerubbabel, this mountain, this great mountain, this obstacle that you're facing of building this temple, it is going to become nothing this obstacle is going to be gone. How many of you'd like to have all your obstacles gone? Let me see your hands. Father, right now, I pray for all these people. Keep your hands up. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that these obstacles, these things that exalt themselves against the truth of the word of God, against your grace, your ability, they are stopped in the name of Jesus. And we say to those mountains, be gone in Jesus' name. Be gone in Jesus' name. We cast you into the sea in Jesus' name. Now, it's very important. Once you do it, you don't talk about it anymore. Everybody say, talk grace. How many of you ever heard somebody say they're just talking smack? 
I heard that sometime from a teenager. I don't know. I, I guess it means nonsense or, you know, dumb stuff or something. I don't know. But it, then it goes on. It says, and he, Zerubbabel, shall bring forth the capstone with shouts. Everybody say shouts. Say shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, what they're talking about there is the hanging of the temple doors. And when those temple doors are finally hung and that building is built, that temple is built, that there's going to be great shoutings, but it's not going to be about what Zerubbabel did. It's going to be shoutings called grace, grace. Everybody say grace. Now, grace is about what God does, not what we do. But we have a part to play. Zerubbabel had a part to play. Then it goes on and says, Moreover, the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. On that night uh, in the hospital, when my husband had that opportunity with his heart, um, I had not prepared to preach that day. At that time in this church, uh, I was the keyboard player. I led the worship from the keyboard, and uh, Corey at that time was not playing. Dan was here. I, I think Corey was here, but he was at Purdue. So it was just my husband and I who would do the services as far as leading up here. And so at that evening, uh, my husband said, you need to preach, and you need to get up there, and you need to tell those people that that." I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now, this church was only nine years old at that time and very critical that people knew that he would be all right. Uh, and he said, you just go ahead and preach. Well, uh, uh, the pastor's wife from the church we were in in Tulsa called me that night in the hospital to see how Bill was doing and prayed with him, me for him. And then she said, who's preaching? And I said, well, I guess I am. She said, absolutely. Go in the pulpit and preach because you carry the anointing that he carries. Get in the pulpit. And so, you know, now I have two people who've told me that. But I'm having my house up for sale, and they're coming to show it the next day, the first time, and, and I need to be home. I didn't get anything done that day because I was in the hospital with him. So I go home, I scrub floors, I prepare a message, and I come in here after about four hours sleep, and I preach on the truth. Everybody say the truth. Because my husband said, tell them the truth. And the truth is the word of God. And when they talk about me, tell them to say the truth and not what they think and not what happened to grandma so-and-so when she had this happen. How many of you know that's not what we talk? That's smack. Okay? We talk grace. Amen? We live by faith and not by sight, and we speak grace. Why do we shout grace? Because God is going to do it. If he hadn't done it yet, he is going to do it. And when it does get done, we will be shouting grace, grace, grace. You know, this song that we sang up in the very beginning, you know, the thunka, 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 thunka. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, that's what I call it. You know, the songs weren't quite this style when I played, you know, way back there. And, uh, and so I, I, I've been struggling, to be honest, a little bit with the, the music that we play now is at such a level that, you know, that I am not at that level of a player. Everybody say grace. And so um, about March 10th, I was in the park, and I went back and looked at my journal to find it. And, and I was telling the Lord how this is above my head. You know, this is, you know, this is up here, and, and I'm like here, and, you know, we can't go backward. How many of you know you don't go backward with God? He goes forward. And, uh, and not that you don't use old songs sometimes, but you stay with where the momentum of the Holy Spirit is. And God changes things. Turn to your neighbor and say, he does do that. But when he says he's going to do it, then he's going to do it. 
but we have to cooperate. And so I was telling him once again about my age. How many of you have ever talked to God about your age, whether you're too young or too old or in the middle or whatever you are? And, uh, you know, and, and we blame everything on our ability. Everybody say our ability. But that's not grace. That's us. And so I was having this conversation. I said, God, you know, I am too old probably now to be doing this. And I heard this immediately. Don't talk age. Talk grace. Don't talk gifts. Don't talk talent. Everybody say, not a lot to talk about. (laughs) I mean, and don't talk money. Amen. Amen. Say this. Don't talk age. Don't talk gifts. Don't talk talk talents. Don't talk money. Talk grace. And immediately he reminded me of this, this scripture to talk grace. Well, uh, long story short, he said, that's my divine enablement, not yours, mine. And that's what you talk about. Not what you see, not what you can do, but what I can do if you do what I say. And uh, the night that this happened to my husband back in 1998, I learned a big lesson. My husband was, of course, at the hospital, they thought he was much more serious than he thought he was. Because whenever they give him something that makes him feel better, he thinks he's fine. And so they gave him nitro, and he had a bad headache, but he felt much better. No, no chest pain. So he told the doctor, I think I could leave now, and then whatever you want to do, I'll come back next week because I was going to have a treadmill next week anyway. And she said, Mr. Mickler, you cannot leave the hospital. You can't even get up to go to the bathroom. He said, what? And she said, no, you're going to be here, and you're going to be on bed rest till we can take you to Indianapolis and fix your heart. And uh, so I, I left. Well, a lady that was here in our church that time, Diane Hughes, she, she snuck in to see him. Now, she knew nobody was supposed to, but she snuck in uh, with her husband because she had a word from the Lord. Everybody say a word from the Lord for him. And she snuck in and told him this word. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. How many of you know when you're laying there and you don't know what's going to happen, no matter how brave you talk and act, it's good to have a word from the Lord that says this is the way it is. And, you know, that word, he hung on to that word because certainly he did have a few more opportunities. And uh, it was God who rescued him because his, his main artery in his heart was like 95% closed, and it would have just been like that. And the doctor pulled open the curtain, and there stood my friend Diane and her husband. She said, what are you doing here? She goes, well, blah, blah, blah. she's a very quiet person. She said, we're leaving. <laughs> and, and she said to my husband, Mr. Mickler, denial is not just a river in Egypt. And then my husband got the message that he was serious. You know, when you face situations and circumstances that say to you, you're not going to do this or you're not going to make it, you better have a word from the Lord that says, yes, I will. And my husband... Um, about five years ago, he was praying because he started having some challenges with digestion. And, of course, with his heart, they thought maybe it was his heart, but it's not his heart. And he, but he was going to the Sudan, and he, he had opportunities. I want to tell you, any time you take on something that God tells you to do, you are going to have a fight. You will have a fight. The devil will try to stop you. And with my husband, it's been with his health. And we have had to fight a lot of battles. We're winning. We will win. We do win. We already have because of Calvary. But uh, in that situation, he prayed, and he felt like the Lord said to him, it's your pancreas. He has tried to tell those doctors over and over, 
the problem is something doesn't work right in my pancreas. And they tell him over and over, yes, your pancreas is working fine until yesterday. And they said, you know what? We know what your problem is. It's your pancreas. I know he wanted to go, no, duh. I've been telling everybody that. Uh, But, you know, I believe now God will take care of this and we'll find out where the root of this thing is. You see, when God, God knows all about you. You're sitting here today and say, well, that's because he's a pastor. It's not because he's a pastor. It's because he's a child of God. And all of us, if we operate by grace, everybody say grace. Not by what we're told by other people, not by what other people think or say, not even the encouragement of other people to do things. You know, some people can encourage you and you start doing something and find out it wasn't God. They're the first ones to discourage you after you're in the ditch. How how many of you have had that up? Well, I was wondering before they were saying, yes, go. Now they're going, well, you know, I had this thought. You know, it's what God says, and that's what was rubbable. In order to build that temple that he had been stopped for 17 years, he needed to hear from God, and God spoke to him. And so he finished that work. Now, in your life, I don't know where you're at, but this is what my Bible says, and it's what was said to Paul. Uh, if you, if you want to look in Second Corinthians chapter 12, it's uh, the Lord speaking to Paul. He had a physical situation, and, uh, and it, it continued to bother him. And it says in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he might, uh, that it might depart from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know, I, not just in, in uh, that infirmity he had, but in a lot of ways, oftentimes when God gives us an assignment and things to do, we run into obstacles. And that's when we want God to take it away, don't we? It's like, could you just get this over with? I mean, you know, how many times do we have to do this? And I, I've heard God say to me, till you get it. <laughs> Everybody say, till we get it. You know, sometimes we just keep, it seems like we're just going against that thing again and again. But when we get it, when we get whatever it is that God is wanting to do in that situation, we will be free of it because God will give us the victory over it and we'll begin to walk forward again. And so Paul, he said that his, that God, that God told him, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, he gets all the glory but it's grace. Everybody say it's grace. It's his grace that takes us through. And I've been uh, reading through the Bible, and I'm just into today, Joshua. How many of you know the book of Joshua is a great book? Because it's a book of victories. They finally get into the promised land. But all those books before that, those first five books, you know, the, the Israelites don't have the best best success. And uh, even in Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to them about the second generation because the first generation didn't even make it into the promised land. And so if I, as I've looked at that, I noticed uh, two things that, that God said to Moses and he said to Joshua. And uh, you can look in Exodus 3 and you'll find the scripture. It's uh, God said to, to Moses when he encountered him with that burning bush, he said, take off your sandals this is holy ground. Everybody say holy ground. Holy ground. Well, in the first book of Joshua, he says that to Joshua. Remove your shoes. This is holy ground. Everybody say holy ground. What does that mean, holy ground? That means that the presence of the Lord is there. Do you remember there was an old song? Some of you are way too young to remember. But there was a song that used to be, um, this is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. 
And I know that there's the presence. There are angels all around, yeah. Oh, I love that song. But when you hear that, how many of you remember in the day when you would hear that, how you just feel the presence of God start to fill the room? See, where the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. There is grace. Everybody say grace. There is grace to complete whatever it is that we have need of. So what he was basically saying to both of them was, you, you need to know that you're standing on holy ground. In other words, you're standing in me. You're standing in who I am, not who you are. And he even said to both of them, I will be with you. That was his, that was his commission to them. Not, you'll be uh, able to do this, and you'll be able to do this, and this is who you are. It was just simply, I will be with you to Moses. And the same word was given to Joshua. And I say that to you today. God is with you. How many of you in here know Jesus? Then the Bible says that you are born again and that the spirit of grace, everybody say the spirit of grace, abides in you. In Zechariah, the same uh, prophet as I've just been talking about, he said that when the Messiah comes, I will pour out my spirit of grace. That was a long time before it happened. But the spirit of grace is the Holy Spirit that lives in us and abides in us to do what we're called to do. I was thinking, and I I was going to tell my husband when I go to the hospital today, we were very honored and blessed growing up in the things of the Lord. And this was in the 80s. Uh, to be on staff in a church in Oklahoma with a a man named Billy Joe Doherty, his wife Sharon. They were very young. Uh, They started pastoring when they were 26. And uh, by the time we got there, they had been youth pastors, traveled on the road, and then they had started this church. And they were probably in their early 30s then. And um, this man was a mentor for us. We were older. Uh, my husband was in his 40s. He was just 40. And I was a little bit younger. I was 36, I think. And, and so we went on staff in this church. And I and my husband both, we both got to see a man who operated with grace. Everybody say grace. Everything was huge that he said we would do. I don't mean like we're going to believe for I mean, one time we were believing for $3.1 million in seven months. And the way he got it was the Lord told him, give away all your building fund. Well, that's what we're trying to do is build. Give away all the building fund at $100,000 a month. We had $700,000 toward a building. He gave it all away. And in seven months, our budget for that church was something like $2 million. 1.5 1.5 million, I don't know, but we ended up with 3.2 million above the budget in seven months. Everybody say seven months. Now that's grace. That's grace. Uh, he felt like we needed more room and we didn't have more room. And so he began to pray this one time. And a, a, a man who traveled all over in Africa, T.L. Osborne and his wife Daisy, they were missionaries over there. They had a huge building right on the interstate in Tulsa, 44, the main entrance, and, or the main uh, interstate through there. And, and it sat right there. Everybody could see it. And he called Pastor Billy Joe and said, you know, Billy Joe, I know you're doing a great work. And uh, Daisy and I, we think we just want to have our offices here now. We don't need this big building. And we'd just like to give it to you. And uh, all you got to do is put a roof on it. Everybody say grace. I mean, this was... And you know what happened? The state ended up, or the government, actually the federal government, ended up wanting to widen the interstate. They owned it debt-free, and, the, and they came in and paid them buku money 
to tear it down eventually. The first building we had, we owed $3.5 million on, and they couldn't service the debt. Billy Joe went to the bank. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give him any relief. Sam Walton came and bought the building and tore it down, and we were totally out of debt. Everybody say grace. See, God is great. He is big. You know, I love that song we start out with, and, and uh, it, was, it was a little hard because it goes, da 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 and you got to do it with everybody else. <laughs> I can't come in afterward, you know. <laughs> and so I was tempted to say to Brad, you play it. <laughs> and, uh, but I love when he plays that trumpet. How many of you love that trumpet sound? I love that. You know why? Because it says to the devil, look out, we are coming through. And we are going to be right on time doing the thing God wants. Read about it in the book of Joshua. Took down the walls of Jericho with that trumpet sound. And so, uh, you know, God calls us, and it's his grace. Everybody say his grace. So if we play that at the end, and I actually do it, that's grace, folks. That is grace. I know it's grace because I know who I am, and I can't go da 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 you know, and then the drums are going da 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 da, and the trumpet's going da 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 da, and I'm thinking da 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 da. When my husband said that, you know, yesterday, take me to the emergency room, my first thought was da 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 da. Truthfully, because I didn't get to come back in and practice that last night, and so I thought, God, we are going down tomorrow. We are going. I thought, read your message, stupid. Talk grace. So you know, God knows. Everybody say, God knows. And, and, you know, he, he loves us right where we are. He can do things with your life that you can't even imagine today. And I learned that from Pastor Billy Joe. I mean, he was a young man. They didn't have all that money. One time, I remember this, they had two babies. And it was shortly after we went to work there. And, and they had paid to have some books published. And the people that were supposed to honor and give them money to do that did not. He sold their only car. And my friend who was out there that I, I know this, he called and gave them a car. And they drove that for six months till they paid off that bill with that car they sold and the money they had. Everybody say integrity. Everybody say grace. If you want to operate with God and, and have big vision, then you've got to step on holy ground and begin to do what God gives you to do so that you can become that. And I thank God for that, for that time that we, that we spent with him. Um, as a mentor, you know, he taught us that um, strife, everybody say strife, and, and things like that will stop. Uh, what God wants to do. He had asked a man uh, in the very beginning of his ministry, what would you tell me if, if you were going to give me a word that would get me through? And the man said, if you don't get bitter, you will succeed. How many of you know it's easy sometimes to get upset? This, that takes you off holy ground, just like that. And I want to read to you what he said, because um, definitely we were in a church that was, had supernatural uh, empowerment, divine enablement of God. Those things did not happen because we had no millionaires in our church. I think the largest gift we got was like $100,000 one time in that $3.2 million. The rest of it was all of us doing what we felt to do, people giving what they felt to give, and God accomplished that. Somehow he multiplied that into $3.2 million. And so, but it was supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. And whoever, Jack Hayford, I think, is, does a lot of commentary. He's actually the one that put this spirit-filled Bible together. But he, he had Pastor Billy Joe Wright 
some commentaries for the Bible, and he wrote on shepherding amid the supernatural. That would be pastoring a church where the supernatural is allowed to flow. How many of you believe we need the supernatural? How, how many of you have people that you would like to bring in here and that while they were sitting in their seat, the Spirit of God would deliver them from everything that they have attached to their life? Well, I'd like that to be me or you. Amen? See, that, we need that. We need, we need to be on holy ground all the time for what God wants to do. Because he's, he's willing. He, he's able. And this is what Pastor Billy Joe wrote in here. It's out of uh, James three thirteen in regard to this scripture. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You know, sometimes you just need to get the word of God out and examine the situation. Is there a lot of confusion here? Is this, is it, what is going on? Well, it could be envy, self-seeking, jealousy, strife. How many of you know the word of God, it rightly divides truth? for the situation. And then it says that the wisdom that is from above or God's wisdom is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so this was his commentary. Whenever God moves by the spirit, everybody say by the spirit. Now I'm back to Zechariah four that we just read earlier, not by might, not by, but by my Spirit. Okay. So whenever the spirit moves, the efforts of the adversary, who's the adversary? The devil, Satan himself, and, and his demonic angels. Uh, it says adversaries will manifest in many ways in order to seek to stem the flow of divine grace. Everybody say divine grace. Now, what do we need? We need grace. We need grace operating. So what he's saying is when the spirit of God begins to flow, the enemy will come to stop that. How, how many of you know that in your own life? You've heard something from God and immediately the enemy comes and he tries to stop. What he's trying to stop is that divine flow that God's put in your heart of, of what his grace can do for you. And so it says that this text notes both envy and strife, their source and the impact they make. Ultimately, the devilish source of both indicates satanic enterprise finding human cooperation. Do you know God doesn't do anything in the earth except he uses people to reach out and do those things he wants to do? That's what God does. That's, that's really why he saved you. He didn't save you so you could worship him in heaven every week. I mean, all day, every day. And, and I read that in Copeland's Faith to Faith, and I thought, wow, that is that's a new revelation. He said, God isn't a taker. God's a giver. Everybody say a giver. And it says in Ephesians that he saved us, that he might show the riches of his exceeding grace through our lives in Jesus Christ, that he might show to us his exceeding riches of grace. Everybody say of grace. So God wants you to wake up every day and whatever you do that day, he wants you to see his grace in operation for your life. Well, you're going to have to think bigger than just going and buying some hot dogs at the grocery store. I mean, you got to start thinking bigger than that. You got to start thinking, you know, when I go in this room where there's all this strife, I'm going to walk in and there's going to be peace. 
Because here comes the wisdom of God. Here comes the peace of God. Why? Because you're of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the word says. And he says here, pure workings of the spirit can quickly be soured if jealousy or anger is given place. Confusion, disorder, commotion, instability will infect the life of the congregation, a team of workers, or an individual unless prayerful monitoring resists these evil seeds being sown. That's what happened in Zechariah. Zerubbabel started building that temple, and all hell broke loose against him. Why? Because God said. Everybody say, because God said. And what happened? Grace was stopped. And then God had to come back again and say, Zerubbabel, you will build that building. How many of you know when you hear from God, gives you courage to step out in what you're supposed to do? And, and you may be here today, and you may say, you know, I started out, I, I, I started out good. But, you know, when I spoke to the mountain, the mountain spoke at me. <laughs> That's what mountains do. They do talk. The devil does have a voice, and he does come to steal, kill, and destroy. He does come to take people out. And I say to you today, I found it in Scripture this week, and it just I rejoiced in the park where I, when I was studying. You know, the children of Israel, they gave God a real run for his money. How many of you know? They, they did some crazy stuff. I mean, they'd see God do miracles, and then the next thing they'd be crying about, they couldn't eat leeks and onions. And they wanted to go back to Egypt so they could eat leeks and onions. I don't even know what that's, green stuff and onions. And they cried about it. And, 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 and here's a God who's so big in grace. And we say, that is really something. Well, think how many times we've cried about something, and we've seen God do something miraculous. Everybody say, holy ground. We need to stay put because God wants to do big things in our lives, great things in our lives. And, and I say to you today in this place, you know, I just feel to pray for you that, that God has big things for all of you. But if there are situations in your life based on what I just read, strife, selfishness, envy, uh, God doesn't operate in that arena. There's, there's no grace. Everybody say no grace. There's no grace. Uh, and, and when he told Moses... You know, here it is in Deuteronomy 28. This is the way it is. If you love the Lord and you serve him and you obey him, all these blessings will come upon you. If you don't, everybody say, if you don't, they won't. Curses instead. But then in God's mercy, everybody say God's mercy. He says about two chapters later, God tells Moses, well, listen, though, you know, if they really mess up that bad, but if they just come back to me, if they'll just come back to me, I'll, I'll fix it all. And I'll restore. Everybody say restore. Everything back to them and get them back on track. Isn't, isn't that a good word? That's what Calvary did. That's why Jesus died. That's why there's Easter. So that we can be restored, redeemed, bought back from the hand of the enemy. But once we get there, you know, you don't want to live in a cemetery. How many of you would like to live over at the cemetery over on 52? That's where the walking dead are. You know, when I was preparing this message, the Lord said to me, the walking dead. So I called somebody who watches those kind of shows. And I said, tell me about the walking dead. I said, is that those zombie things? And they said, yeah, it's gory, mom. You don't want to. Oh, now I've told you who it was. <laughs> Use the first service got me covered, do you please? It was my son, Matthew, not Pastor John. 
Although he might watch it too. I don't know. My kids watch some of those. I don't like scary stuff. I have to pray so hard in those scary things that nothing happens. And my husband always says to me, it's over. They've already filmed it. I said, I don't care. I just have to pray for these people because they're about to get killed. And so, but anyway, it's awful. It's awful. My son said, don't watch it, mother. You won't be able to do it. I said, I'm not calling to watch it. I want you to tell me and I'll tell the people and then it'll be over. And he said, well, zombies, mom, they, they like a virus got started and it got on everybody and they bit each other. And when they bite you and chase you and then they make you have the virus and then everybody gets the virus. I don't know. This may not be exactly it, but this way I interpreted what he said. Once you get the virus, the only way to help you is to shoot you dead, but you have to shoot them in the head or stab them in the head. That, yeah. I thought, oh, Salvation. Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. The virus got started. Nobody bit each other, but the devil sure came. And here he comes. He bites all the people who got the virus. But we don't because we got stabbed in the head. By the word of God, our mind is renewed. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. And we're not walking dead. We're walking alive. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.